welcome to Pharma Insights, Controllance Podcast. We're here today with Arda Palmagotir and Ranald Haig. Arda, who's VP Business Development, and Ranald, VP Sales. Together, they have about 20 years' experience between them and are great experts when it comes to all things related to the pharma supply chain. I'd like to kick off the conversation just by asking you about the past couple of years. It's been quite tumultuous for pharma and you've had a lot of interaction with with, uh, Pharma Enterprise. What would you say has been the resulting impact on the way their supply chains function or the way they manage them? You wanna go first? Sure. I'd say the last few years has been a complete whirlwind. You know, we've had COVID, we've had supply chain issues, we've had, you know, countless things that have caused problems and surprises, you know, throughout for everybody. So it's been a bit of a time of reflection, uh, or now is a time of reflection, I should say. But, you know, during those three years, it's just making sure that everything happens on time, everything gets to patients when it should, you know, all these sorts of things, and just overcoming those challenges as, as we go. Now we have a bit more time for reflection and we can see what's worked, what hasn't worked, what was good for the supply chain, because often out of adversity comes new things. So, you know, we've really seen a, a fundamental shift in how people want to do things now that they have time to reflect and see. And one of those big things is digitization. They want to automate and digitize as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And we did see uh, challenges for companies during COVID where there were delays and nobody knew where the goods were. The forwarders could not tell. Nobody knew uh, when it would be arriving um, or what was the condition of it. And we definitely saw that those that have more control over their supply chain with real-time visibility, they were in much better situation because they would know for sure it's at this particular airport and it's been there for two days, but it's okay. But uh, not everybody could um, wear in that uh, shoes. But also price went up, uh, flights were canceled, vessels were full, there was no capacity of containers. So it's been a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. for sure. Maybe um, maybe you can tell us a bit more about exactly how having that real-time visibility has made a difference. I mean, <laughs> real-time visibility <laughs> changes everything during a shipment because you know the location, you know the condition, the chain of custody and the chain of condition. So you know that everything is okay or not. You know who's responsible, you know the location. You've been notified if something is happening. I think that's the important part is, is it's more important to know when things are not okay. And that's what people are getting from their, their supply chains when they're operating in real time and, and have that visibility. It's the ability to know my goods are delayed, my goods are held by customs, my goods are not where they're supposed to be. You know, that really gives you some clarity and it allows your team to concentrate on the things that matter. So if there is a delay, how do we overcome that delay? How do we make sure patients are getting the drugs that they need when they need them? Um, and that especially comes out in, in certain areas. And certainly during COVID, it was, you know, how do we make sure that people are getting you know, life-saving vaccines as soon as possible, you know, when they need them to protect them? Yeah, delays could cause uh, shortages in market meaning patients would not get the medicine, like you said. And then if you have ability to see uh, that there is a delay, something is not moving as it should be, you can make a decision, do I ship something by air, for example, had it been ocean freight. 
So decisions are, uh, it's easier to make good decisions because you have the information. Absolutely. I think uh, educated decisions Yeah. is the words we're looking for. Educated or informed, exactly. Yeah, so we'll just put that in there quite quickly. I think it's really easy to make educated decisions once you have that information. You can decide, do I need to send more? Do I need to uh, alter the transport method? Um, you know, all sorts of things that can be done to, to speed things up, even en route. Exactly. And if you, if you look at the pharma industry, um, we hear a lot about the, the pharma industry being a little bit of a slow adapter in terms of new technology, traditionally at least, uh, partly because it's so highly regulated. Um, it's not as easy for pharma to change processes overnight when they have to conform to so many regulations across regions um, and so forth. Would you say, though, that we have entered or are about to enter some sort of new frontier in terms of pharma supply chain monitoring innovation? Are we there already or are some of the big players there already? Where are we in that journey, do you think? I think the whole pharmaceutical industry is looking at other industries and perhaps with a little bit of envy, you know, looking at things like fast-moving consumer goods where, you know, if you walk into a supermarket today and you, you buy a can of beans, you know, the bean supplier knows instantly the moment you've checked out and a new can is on its way to that supermarket, which is why they get, you know, one truck a day with more or less everything they sold the day before. The pharmaceutical industry is not quite at that level yet and has a lot to learn from other industries. And I think what COVID also did was because, you know, the vaccine supply chain and the testing supply chain and all these sorts of things were so vast, were so big, it required them to bring in a lot of people from other industries who'd been in supply chain before, but perhaps not in pharmaceuticals. So that meant that we learned a lot of lessons from those other industries where we had perhaps somebody came in from fast moving consumer goods and was now looking after the testing in the UK. I mean, you know, in extreme examples, we had a guy that uh, he was originally looking after, I think it was Boyzone uh, on their last tour. And now he was looking after the testing in the UK. And that was his entry into the supply chain. But, he, you know, to him, a lot of this was foreign. So there was a steep learning curve for him, but also he taught us a lot in terms of, you know, what can be done. I mean, there are definite benefits to being able to put something in a different stadium every night for three months. You know, there's and a lot to learn. We definitely have also the first movers uh, already in pharma. So I think the rest of the industry is looking to them as well, uh, as they have been looking, all of them, to other industries. So we do have some examples of how the latest technology can be used to their advantage. Mm. And it is validated and it is safe to use in pharma, even if it's highly regulated and it's all about patient safety, it's still something that they can make uh, good use of and, and are seeing huge benefits when it comes to shortening time to market and improving quality and processes in their supply chain, for Absolutely. sure. And if you look at, so with all of these um, new technologies, when you're looking at IoT, um, uh, you know, data going to the cloud and being accessible at any time, if you look at pharma specifically, their sort of digital transformation priorities, if you like, what's sort of at the top of the list? Is it, is it all about, you know, reducing downtime or is it more about the automation? Automation. I would say it's automation. Yeah. And it's it's very clear the reason why. So, you know, again, during the last few years, during that whirlwind, everybody's been very, very busy. Everybody's been, 
you know, working overtime, working, you know, all the hours that they can just to make sure that things are getting where they're supposed to be, you know, at, at the right time. And I think what they really want now is that time back. They want to automate processes. They want to um, really free up as much time to deal with the important things, you know, both from a work standpoint and also from a work-life balance. You know, we really need to get that balance back. And if we can um, help them free up that time, make it so they're not working so many, you know, evenings, weekends to, to look at reports that frankly could be looked at by a computer. You know. and, and that's absolutely the thing. If there is a rule behind the decision, you, if you digitize it, you can apply a rule engine yep. and get things done automatically. And that's what it's all about. For example, releasing goods into markets, uh, the decision to release goods, if there are no temperature excursions, that's fine, that's already automated. However, you can take it step fro uh, further by using the stability budget for a particular product and release it even if you had an excursion, as long as you were not tapping into too low or high temperature for too long. So even more automation. So people that are, you really, when you need the human being to make a decision, you can concentrate where that is needed and not on things that are just a rule that is applied and can be automated. Absolutely, it means they have more time to make those crucial decisions. Absolutely. I think is the, yeah. the key to it. And, and perhaps they would have erred on the side of caution Previously, when they had to look at a thousand reports in a day, but now when you have to look at one, you can really make sure you're getting that decision right, making sure you're doing what's best for the patient at the end of the day. Absolutely. Could you perhaps explain just a little bit about the stability budget and, and how can it be automated? You know, what, what does that mean, um, upstream, downstream? So <clears throat> for companies that have digitized it, it's a matter of information that through studies you know that a particular product can tolerate so and so um, high or low temperature um, but still be safe for the patient to use and if you have that in a digitized format you can apply that to your shipments based on the temperature profile and it can be the same profile for different products in the same shipment even so but it's product specific and the release decision is based, is based on what the product can actually tolerate and still be safe to use. So um, another sort of big theme of the past few years across all industries has been sustainability. And uh, that has definitely uh, impacted pharma companies in terms of you know, how they're being held accountable uh, for supply chain waste, um, for example. But what does that mean in, in practical terms for the companies and what are some of the ways perhaps that they're making real progress in this area? We love sustainability, don't we? Absolutely. Do you want to take the scope one and two and I can go into three? Or <laughs> No, I think we can we can skip the scopes in a, in a we don't want to get in too much detail, I think. But you know, for sustainability there's been a huge shift in, in the market, you know, from a from from me as a sales guy. Um, sustainability is now being given an equal weighting to things like price and deliverability and, and all these sorts of things. And that is you know, absolutely fantastic to see. Um, I think it's also a, a growing trend that actually, you know, sustainability, although 
it might be difficult and not always the easiest of, of things to achieve. You know, people have some very aggressive targets. You know, 2030 seems to be a date that most pharmaceutical companies are adopting and saying we want to be net zero by, by then. Um, I, I actually read the other day one pharmaceutical company is demanding that all suppliers use uh, renewable energy by 2035. You know, there are some very, very uh, aggressive targets in there. And I think that you know, through education, through discussion, that we can actually help um, pharmaceutical companies realize that doing the sustainable thing is often tied very, very closely to doing the right thing in terms of cost saving, in terms of um, you know, helping people do their jobs, getting things to patients faster, more efficiently. You know, I think it all ties together. And I think if we take that holistic view, I think sustainability shouldn't be a problem and we should be able to, to reach those aggressive targets. I just think it's a case of, you know, we need to get started as soon as possible. And companies like ours, we are of course looking into how can we be uh, responsible and uh, sustainable as well. And we do that as a vendor for our customers, of course. We do things the right way, how we produce, uh, we have re, uh, reusable devices and all that. But on top of that, we can actually help analyze the supply chain for our customers. Absolutely. Not that I want to sell, but that's a fact. We can help them. That's why I mentioned scope three. Mm. It's like the effect of transporting all these medicines around the, the globe. Um, and how can you do that in a more sustainable way? Yeah. And here is where our technology, information, our platforms come in and play a huge role in identifying the, uh, the opportunities to reduce uh, weight of the fr uh, freight, yeah. to use cheaper packaging, all kinds of things. I know you've been calculating some of it. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, clearly if you use different packaging, you can ship less. You know, that's obviously a lower weight. Then that's obviously a lower CO2 level for the shipment itself. Then we have numerous ways that we can help um, pharmaceutical companies achieve those targets but we obviously have to achieve our own targets as well um, so when I started with control nine years ago um, I don't think I'd even heard the term director of sustainability or the title you know but now there seems to be vice president sustainability directors of sustainability this is something that's being taken you know very seriously and it's something that we should take very seriously um, but actually you know it's been around much longer it's now just you know how do you measure it and that's a lot that's another thing that we're finding is a lot of companies although they have these targets you know actually measuring the the effect of their supply chain on the environment is very difficult but we can help them to do that uh, we know other people that can help them to do that as well and we can get that bigger picture of of what's actually going on and ultimately you know when you feed something into the supply chain, you should know exactly what the environmental cost of that is. Mm. You know. And to your point about it's been around, it was more like in the boardrooms, yes. something that was nice to have and there would be maybe targets or not necessarily targets, but a policy in place. But this is changing a lot. Now we see companies stating in an RFP even that cost and sustainability equal. Yes. It's not just about price anymore, like you said yeah. already. So it's more becoming something that's just from day to day. It's not something we just do at Christmas or during Christmas. It's like 
we are conscious about it every day, like with pharma yes, companies. Absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. I remember our first RFP almost 10 years ago that we, we completed together. The sustainability section dealt with how we recycle our Coke cans in the canteen, right? Um, and we had to have separate bins and these sorts of things. Now we're really being asked not only how is our sustainability, but we're being asked how do we help their sustainability. So their goals mm. are becoming our goals. Yeah. And I think that's important Absolutely. to remember. And that's a journey we really enjoy being on together with our customers. Absolutely. And to help the industry uh, reduce the carbon footprint, for sure, for a better world for all of us, of course. I think it's interesting talking about, you know, sustainability, you know, the sustainable way to do it is the right way, it is the efficient way. Um, and, you know, looking at the supply chain waste alone in the in the pharma supply chain, from what I understand, anything from 25 to 50% of vaccines globally were wasted prior to 2020, for example. Um, and as companies start adopting these uh, real-time technologies, that's been brought all the way down to less than 1%, which obviously means you're not wasting as much um, and you're not producing as much. There's not as much overstock that you need to have in the warehouses. So even before we can properly calculate carbon footprints and, and all of that of, of various processes and the real benefit that has, just the waste alone seems a huge win. Yeah. And huge results have been achieved just by reducing the waste of product because not is it that it becomes available for the patient mm. when needed. Also, you don't have to produce more when you replace it because it's uh, ruined and you don't have to ship it again, all over again. Double the cost when it comes to carbon footprint and everything in the supply chain. Mm. So, <coughs> Brilliant. Um, now, given the, the rate at which these technologies have been uh, entering the pharma supply chain, if you had a crystal ball and you wanted to look ahead five or ten years, what do you think might be some of the sort of big pharma supply chain technological revolutions that, that could be on the horizon, without giving away any trade secrets, of course? <laughs> Unit level tracking. Unit level tracking. I think we're going to get to that point where I think so, yeah. fast moving consumer goods is at today where it's not necessarily you know real time tracking but it's knowing where every unit is at any given moment you know what's been sold what's required you know something that we have learned during covid is that actually we can ramp up and ramp down production of drugs on a massive scale you know if you think the the scale of the vaccine programs that have run over the last few years none of those vaccines existed 3 years ago right None of those production facilities, well, they existed, but they were not producing those vaccines. But we've produced billions and billions of vaccines in a very short period of time. So now we're learning that actually we could also produce drugs using that same just-in-time delivery system. So to do that, we need to know where everything is within the supply chain. We need to know what's on a pharmacist's shelf. We need to know what's in the warehouse for local distribution. We need to know what's being produced today you know, all these sorts of things. And we'll do that through a number of different methods, through barcodes, through label tracking, through um, QR codes. You know, there's all sorts of ways that we can see what's happening. All the way to point of consumption. Like you said, it triggers then uh, a new order, yep. if you like. <clears throat> and this, because I think the accuracy in planning today is about 40%. Yes. Because 
there are like so many, it's so much guesswork and numbers are changing all the time. But if you really knew what was being consumed, it would change, it's a game changer for sure. Absolutely. So I think that's where we're going to go. Brilliant. Is there a difference looking into the pharma industry? If the, is there a difference in different sectors? Like if you look at, for example, clinical trials, if you look at cell and gene therapy, uh, is the, the way those new technologies are being applied, does it differ? Are their challenges different in this sense? Well, the supply chain for cell and gene is completely different. But using same technology, same basics, is, is, it's not going to be that different. It's more the approach, uh, um, how we, you know, configure it. it it's not fundamentally different, but it's uh, when it comes to the technology. It's use of platforms and devices and information sharing and all that API connections. Yeah. But it's more how you work with it. And of course, uh, cell and gene is going to be extremely and is extremely sensitive extremely expensive. You need to know everything about the where the location and condition. And it's so important to get it to the patient, both from the patient and to the patient, uh, from way to way in the supply chain. So no two supply chains are the same, I think, whether it's cell and gene, whether it's clinical trials, whether it's the, you know, the primary distribution, secondary, final miles, none of them are the same, even across, you know, no two primaries are the same. So you could have two separate drug companies and they operate in completely different ways. But I think it, what's important is that they all have the same fundamental building blocks, right? And again, using a uh, control and system, which is also made up of some fundamental building blocks, we can apportion, you know, which pieces do we need to have for each part of that supply chain. It comes down to, to numbers, really. So when you're talking about you know, somebody's primary distribution, you're talking about thousands of patients receiving something. But when you get to the other end, when you get to cell and gene, you're talking about one patient. You can literally apply somebody's name to that shipment. That is a life-saving shipment for them. And that becomes, it, it makes things become very, very clear for those of us that have to monitor, track, and ensure that they get those on time. Um, and quite personal occasionally. So. You know, that, that, that's important. So I think using the building blocks that we have, we can apply them to all the pharmaceutical yeah. industry, regardless more, of yeah. how they're doing it. We just yeah. need to, to make sure that we apply them in the right way to get the right information at the right time to yeah. the right people. So the stakeholders might uh, differ a little bit and they need to see different things, but that's Absolutely. all adjustable. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. You'll see a link on the screen. So if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us. And otherwise, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.